what's going on guys it is a new week of geeks of the week what's happening we are back in effect and yeah i just realized this megan where the hell are you like your your background <laughs> is different yeah yeah um so i am in pittsburgh which is where my sister lives again mm. um because i just got a new niece oh this my is my God. fourth um i well i don't know what the what the plural is of the gendered non-gendered term i have three nieces and one nephew right um, we're gonna which i don't there has to be a word creator for that yeah there has to be but like there is one in spanish but i don't know in english but <gasps> yeah she's my third niece nicest. and um oh yeah my, nice. my, my, my my four nicest <laughs> your nicest <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he, the, she she was born one day after my birthday she's about a week old oh what so, so you yeah. can you can never forget uh the birthday then Never. Like no, she went into labor on my birthday, which was mm -hmm. good. I was like trying to get my sister to uh, go into labor, like subconsciously. <laughs> I was like, today's a good day to have a baby. <laughs> but yeah, so that's cool. Uh, a lot, a lot of traveling this month, but it, mm -hmm. this one is a fun. This one is a really fun trip to go meet my little niece. Hey, you're traveling again to LA next week. Yes. So we're gonna. It's my fourth trip in like three months, something mm -hmm. like that can't keep you away from here i'm telling you i can't i can't, I, can't. So. I know I, every time too i'm like i talk to freddie and i'm like yeah i know and every time you're just gonna tell me again when i get out there wouldn't it just be easier if you lived here you know what yes. you know what this is this is us and um uh the social network where mark zuckerberg goes to la and you're edward Saverin. there's gonna be no backstabbing here i'll just make that <laughs> very clear no backs yeah. i'm not mark zuckerberg's backstabbing yeah. ass i'm not even justin timberlake i'm not even neither of us have those vibes guy. no we don't have those vibes mm -hmm. when i want you to come to la i genuinely just want you to come to la so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make some shit happen when you get here so guys please like give megan money so she can like <laughs> come here forever i will i would we would love that you know Plus, tell your tell your friends. Hey, I know this girl who makes content. If you want to follow her, uh, you're helping you're helping your dreams to move exactly. to LA to live closer to exactly. one of her besties the, in the whole world. I'm just saying, with the palm trees and shit, we we'll hang out like every day. Oh my god, it'd like, be it'd be amazing. Like every day, we'll go to the beach and shit. Like I mean, Freddie is shit. fully on board. I think that is like Freddie's like doing this thing with his work right now, where mm -hmm. he's like on a good path, yeah. and I'm really hopeful that. It, within a few months, we can start talking about him transferring yeah. to another property yeah, in LA. Because I love me some Freddie too. I love it. You, I mean, you guys will get along so well, honestly. Like we you guys, you guys do. got to meet, and <laughs> we yeah, <laughs> Freddie. Freddie was so excited. Like literally, that was one of the coolest parts about the Eternals premiere was like you guys finally getting to meet. Mm -hmm. Um, and the delicious Korean barbecue that we ate afterwards. I thought oh, that it was really it was good. So good. We gotta do that again. We'll do that when yeah. you move here every day. Yeah, That's exactly. A, it'll be everyday thing. I'm just saying. <laughs> and uh, Star and I just talked. Star and I have the almost the exact same like star star chart thing. You guys, like there's two of our signs are swapped, but that's it. It's you, crazy. You guys will have no idea how excited Star was to figure that out. <laughs> like I was looking at one of your videos and she stopped. Like she was walking by and she heard what you said and said, hmm? I'm calling her right <laughs> now. And I was like, oh gosh, gonna get her started. No, it was amazing. But truly I was like, oh my God. And literally we had the funniest conversation about it because we were like, neither of us have ever met anybody that has like, it's like it's called the big three is like your sun yeah. and your moon and your rising and like we have two we have one that is the same and the other two are just swapped mm -hmm. um but it's it's it was it was crazy and stars stars so much fun i'm literally freddie and i talk about it like at least at least <laughs> once a week where we're like yeah when we live in la and we're gonna like you know ever and remy are gonna be bffs and we're gonna yep, hang out yep, with star yep, and juju that's, that's just what i want i want to grow old together i want our kids to hang out and exactly. like it, i want it to be like the rugrats and rugrats all grown up 
but yes. that's a whole nother thing. But speaking of Eternals, let's talk about this because there's something happening yes. in the world of Marvel, just movies in general. And it's the Eternals being fucking not only review bombed by a bunch of self-righteous, not even self-righteous, just assholes, just assholes yep. who haven't even seen the movie yet for God knows what reason. We know the reason, but for God yeah. knows what reasons, allegedly. <laughs> but the thing is, is that eternals shockingly is certified rotten on rotten tomatoes now i know a lot of you guys are already just thinking too so like oh well fuck rotten tomatoes they don't they don't matter it doesn't matter but to us guys it kind of is kind of a big deal because no matter if rotten tomatoes matters or doesn't matter that certified fresh or rotten score still lives with a movie like it still lives yeah. with it. and the fact that this is going to be the worst reviewed marvel film that kind of hurts me because i feel like there are at least three to four marvel movies that are lower than the eternals yeah. like in the eternals isn't a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination it's not so it's not i mean it's not i'm genuinely so psyched to see it again like mm -hmm. i really yeah um i just did this vr experience with uh with Disney because they, they're launching, they did this, you know, and when I talked to them about it, it was crazy too because they spent two years developing this app. Um, it's like when you download the app, it's like a 10 minute experience and it's kind of like, it's kind of like Pokemon Go kind of thing. Okay. Like, like you like takes place in your house and then it takes you through the Eternals. But like, even just talking to these guys about it who spent two years making this and it's, it's time. so cool. Yeah. Um, but like this, this project is so meaningful to so many people. Mm-hmm. And the, that's the thing that I kept talking to them about is like, I was, what I, I love that you guys did this because it's a little bit more time with the characters because yes. the characters, the this movie is so character driven. It's, it's the best it's, part. You fall, regardless of whether you think this is the best story that's ever been told or like I, I right. have mentioned a couple times that I take issue with like the heavy leaning on the nonlinear um, storytelling. Yes. Even if you take issue with that, the characters alone make this film like really, it warms your heart you yeah, know you no, just absolutely. you leave with a smile on your face thinking of these people um and yeah i'm just i'm i'm truly baffled at the response like i i walked out of it thinking i had really 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 high expectations and i don't think that they quite met those super yeah, high course, expectations yeah. yeah but i walked out of it thinking that was still a great film like i really i, I think it's a for me it was like an eight out of ten probably yeah i gave it like a seven point like eight out of ten like 7.5 yeah. to 7.8 out of 10 it's not perfect and like yeah I, I expected big things to come out of this movie what i exactly. got out of it though was amazing characters a lot a lot of heart there's a lot of heart yeah. in the movie like it's so emotional uh it had big concepts big philosophical concepts about immortality and sacrifice and just kind of like a morality and things of that sort which you don't really get in a lot of mcu films and i've been yeah. saying that this, it, the movie doing that it kind of felt a little too big for itself because it's still playing in the marvel formula and if anything that just proves that the marvel formula is kind of broken because when you have an auteur like chloe zhao come in and helm a project like this you can obviously tell that she was trying to impart some of her influence on the movie like between like her characters and having those big conversations and uh just just the way like scenes were like shot like the scale of everything you could tell that there was some nomad land kind of like indie filmmaking thought yeah. process going through the making of that movie but instead you know you had to have like you know the usual third act cgi big fight dude shoots laser out of his eyes pew pew <laughs> villains that are heavily cgi i hate the villains i hate their design i hate crow <laughs> i hate a lot about that 
part of it. <laughs> but when it came to, like you said, the characters and their interactions with each other and the questions that they ask themselves and the wants and needs that they have when it comes to like living a long life, like, oh, I've been alive for a thousand years. Maybe I might want a family. I just want to help the human race. I just want to. All of that is still very interesting. Yeah. Then fucking Iron Man peeing in his suit in the middle of the movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like what? like. And I mean, I, I really do think that this movie, I mean, it reminds me of like the themes that it deals with. It reminds me of like Interview with a Vampire, which also uh-huh, uh-huh. was not rated very highly um, mm-hmm. at the time. I, I don't but remember what it has it. on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. But yeah, but it's like a cult classic. Mm-hmm. But it addresses these themes of like eternal life and what it means to be alive and what it means to be human. And like yeah. the character development that it goes into and the themes that it explores are just really beautiful. And I yeah. think that... I'm very surprised that this was the response from critics. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of, like, audience, uh, a lot of audience resorts, results were like this, where people were like, oh, like, it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. It's too slow yeah. or whatever. Because a lot of the fandom is very critical. They were, a lot of the fandom was critical of WandaVision for this reason. Yeah. Um, and for the love story. Like, the fact that there's so much conversation about the sex scene, I find very yeah. shocking. Yeah. Like, why, why is everyone making it into this big, like, I didn't think and that I, would be a talking point. I saw like like I saw that scene, and again, not getting into spoilers, but saw that scene. Didn't think twice about it. Like it like yeah. I mean, not even not didn't think twice. It was more just kind of like oh okay, that's nice, and it just I forgot about it within like the next like five minutes. Yeah. So it's not like desperado, you know. Like I you know we're not. It's literally it's the it's a plot device, and I, Chloe Zhao has talked about this too in speaking about mm-hmm. the movie about how she specifically wanted to address like the humanity of their exactly, connections. Exactly. And I think that it's, you know, it's addressing these characters in a, ironically, considering that they're not human, yeah. a much more human way than we see in a lot of these films, because exactly. in a lot of the films, it's more about the spectacle than anything else. Yeah. And I find it very shocking that a lot of film critics even um, weren't able to appreciate that at all you know it's funny because uh, <laughs> fuck fuck this guy i can't even remember his name because he fucking sucks but he spoiled the eternals immediately in his mm. tweets and i, I yeah. really hated that i was like what the fuck yep. are you doing but he he talked about that and like and one of his very few non-spoilerific things he was just oh and it's sexy and i'm talking like sexy sexy like there's a sex scene and da 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 and like they're like the first openly gay couple kids i'm like first off what's there's nothing inherently sexy about a same sex exactly. kissing, first off. There wasn't. Number two, like, yeah, okay, it's a sex scene. Like, get over it. Like, it's it's whatever. And now I got people in my comment sections like, how's the sex scene? Yeah, like, it's, it's almost like they're expecting, like, hard R, like, sweaty, like, push, like, well, 50 Shades of Grey is... type shit. And I'm just like, guys, it's still a Marvel movie. Kids are going to watch this. This but... is what I, know, what I was thinking about, too, when I started thinking about the sex scene, was that sex in the MCU... It hasn't been like sexless, but it has yeah. it's treated the idea of sex as though it's something to be ashamed of. Like yeah. the only times I can think of it are like, you know, Iron Man and the yeah. reporter and like Chris Pratt, the implication yes. of Peter Quill the and the Jackson girl Pollock in the Milano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's often like really the only time they ever reference it is yeah. to like highlight the, the character growth that mm. these previously very Im- emotionally immature uh, men have have had. Yes. And then they use it as like, oh, well, you grow past that. And it's like, no, like, yeah. you know, not to not to get too explicit, but like sex is a normal part of human life. And yeah. it's just it's a part of human connection. Mm-hmm. And it's 
I feel like it's been used as a punchline previously because yeah. of like the immature nature of of like a lot of the themes in the MCU. Yeah. And this movie, both in in like the actual sex scene and in like the handling of Fastos and his family, it's not about oh you know sexy fun time. It's like this is a real moment it's of a intimacy real and intimate love moment, and that's and that is the key phrase there. It's a real intimate moment versus mm-hmm. I remember that scene that you're talking about in Iron Man. It's literally like in the first like 20 minutes of the movie yep. where they're just literally ravaging each other and like yeah. it's, it's like the weirdest one they like they, they fall, roll, off, they fall the off the bed <laughs> you hear like rdj just it's like the it's... weirdest shit uh and then you know again peter quill he describes his i guess he describes his load as like a jackson pollock painting which is disgusting <laughs> yeah but when, when it comes to like sex in the mcu and it's funny that we're even talking about this like it's a big deal but i know when it, when it comes to sex in the mcu you hit everything on the you hit the nail on the head but what i want to also hit on is the fact that these sex scenes in the mcu prior or not even sex scenes just these sex references yeah are all innuendo the, and implications innuendos and everything all from the from the lens of men tony stark gets yep. the girl takes the girl home uh peter quill sleeps with a lot of women and tries to even get at Gamora. Whereas like, it's very rare. Just a lot of films, not just the MCU. This is just like a, like a thing about the, you know, movie making formula as a whole is equal partnership when it comes to the sex scene, like equal partnership. Yeah. And so when you see like certain movies and like one of my favorite sex scenes ever, literally you don't even see the sex. Like it's it. I've already told you how I love the movie her. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about that. That's my favorite. It's weird. It's my favorite sex scene because it is literally what people try to accomplish in those type of scenes. It's like it's the human connection. It's all about yeah. the connection and the intimacy and the fact that the entire screen is black and he's kind of like masturbating to his phone. Like, it's yeah. you know, it, it shows a, the true side of what that is. And that's what sex scenes are used for. And that's how I feel well, Eternals that's... does it because it's not just from the lens of the men. It's from the lens of both characters equally sharing a, yeah. a, a moment together among one moment amongst an infinite amount of years that they've been alive and yeah. but people just take away like oh there's sex in the mcu like, yeah it's like and exactly it's it really is beautiful and i mean this is not the not to sound like an asshole but this i had this conversation <laughs> with freddie and i was like this it does make me i because i've had thoughts like this before like when i saw frozen 2 and yeah. like frozen 2 also didn't get as good of reviews as i thought it deserved and so many people said it it didn't have the magic of the first one and I, I like, agree. well, one of the main complaints that I saw from actual film critics mm-hmm. was that it's, it's hard, like it's confusing and it's hard to follow. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't agree with that at all. No, I think not. it was it's a very, simple, very clear story. And yeah. it's like, if you're, if you're not understanding the story, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be a film critic, you know? It's a very but, I mean, simple story too. Like, I, yeah. I didn't think it was comp And I actually love it a lot more than frozen. And you know, we disagree on some things, but no, I, I, I mainly, I was like a lot of the critic response. I was just like, I don't agree with this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, but what were you you were talking about like the way that there have been sex scenes in film that are really masterful at creating that like just the the awkwardness of trying to have a genuine connection in a moment like that. Yeah, yeah. and the scene from her actually reminds me a lot of the scene from Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Didn't see it. Um, still. I know you need to watch it, <laughs> but there is a moment where like uh, an AI that's able to project herself you know wants to be physical and Mm -hmm. they bring in like they have a program where like 
a person can stand in for that and they like have to sync up their bodies and it's like it, it, the way that it's shot is beautiful and the yeah. way like the it's very it's a very emotional scene because it's you know a bu- all three parties are um non-human and they're trying really hard to connect with each other right um and stay stay in sync kind of but okay. it's it's very difficult, you know, and it's yeah. it, it captures that moment of like vulnerability and like just almost like desperation for true connection that you right. have sometimes with people. Mm-hmm. And I I think that I think that thematically the Eternals there was a lot of that, not just in the physic like the physical intimacy of the characters, yeah. but just in the way that they want to connect with each other and humanity in general. And I thought that yeah. it was a very beautifully um, told. Theme. it's I a mean, movie about a family it's 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 yeah. quite period a movie about a family and their connection to each other like it, i saw this in a trailer so this isn't a spoiler but there's a scene in the trailer that i want to talk about that i personally really loved and it's the scene where icarus is holding like a book and then you see uh druid shows up and he's holding something else and both of them <laughs> have what the other wants but it's like kind of this brotherly they kind of stare at each other and they, without even saying a word, they just kind of switch the things, just kind of like, you want that? I want that. Well, give that to me. And they both switch at the same time. And the way they look at each other, it's uh, no words in that scene at all. There's no context to it. But you're just kind of like, that's a nice moment. It's literally, you get, it gets across that these people have been around each other for a long time. They yeah. know they know each other in and out. And they know what their flaws are. They know they accept each other for their flaws. It's just it's just really cool to see the dynamics between like Druig and Makari and Thena and Gilgamesh and Gilgamesh and uh and uh Ajak and it's just it just seeing these dynamics play with each other, it's more again, it's more than like like the sexual connection, but it's just kinda like that human connection where they wanna protect each other and they wanna like do what's best for each other and they want to, you know, it's it's just it's honestly you don't see that in a lot of like Marvel films because we've talked about this. We it's it's yeah. funny it's funny that this film Eternals does this because we I I've made multiple videos saying that the Avengers themselves they they might have been friends towards the end sure, but they're more work friends than anything. Exactly. They're like, they're, they're like Thor shows up whenever he pleases. Like he comes and goes years at a time. Fucking yep. Tony Stark quits a couple times. Like Hawkeye just wants to be with his goddamn family. He's only there because yep. his best friend is there. The only people who really like, like truly need to be there is Cap and Nat. Those are the only yeah. two people who are like, yo, we need this and we need each other. Those are the, that's the only, and then you have the other ones like Sam and Steve and Tony and Rhodey and you have those but, and they've done an okay job fleshing out those like side relationships, I think. Yeah. But I think it's so interesting. Pardon me. I think it's so interesting because I think the fandom has really imagined, imagined yes. a bit more of a friendship, and they like have and this... relationships too. When we're talking, yeah, Steve and Bucky. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they they have this like idea of that the Avengers are like the best of friends, and I think it's because these characters are so beloved and there's yeah. a lot of like fan fiction and like even like on TikTok, like people do hilarious and fun sketches. But like yeah. I had somebody comment on one of my videos recently where I was talking about um, what the future of Tom Holland's Spider-Man is going to be like with right. the end of the Sony contract and everything. Um, and somebody was like, oh no. And I, I'm going to try <laughs> to be as <laughs> earnest about this as possible. So I was like, oh no, because 
if we really do lose the connection from Peter to Tony, that'll be such a loss in the MCU. Oh, and I honestly, on. even though he's already I honestly, dead, I was just like, oh my god, like. First of all, you know, I mean, I, I don't love Tony. I don't hate him as much as people think that I do, right. but I don't but right. I don't love Tony. And I, I, especially the relationship between Tony and Peter, I feel like very they put in they put in no work at all mm-hmm. uh, on their end to like show that that there actually is a relationship there. Yeah. Fans are like, oh, they love each other because of the moment in Endgame and because Tony decided to actually do it because of Peter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we don't actually ever see any moments where they actually seem to have a genuine connection or where Tony doesn't seem like genuinely annoyed look, to be talking to him. Look, they that and that's what I was going to say. Tony, it's uh, Tony and, and Peter's relationship is almost like Lightning McQueen and Mater's relationship where yes. Lightning McQueen clearly puts up with Mater's shit. Yes. And will agree that yes, we're best friends because you said so, but they don't really have a best friendship when you really look at how they interact with each other. Yeah. And, you can see that there's kind of cracks where Tony does care about Peter. Like the, the one instance is in Homecoming in the speech where he's talking to Peter about if you're if you die, that's on me and I can't have yeah. that on my conscience. You could tell in that moment he's trying to tell Peter like, hey, I can't have you die here. Those type of things. But yeah. when it starts in Avengers Endgame, it comes off as very just kind of like. I need you right now because I don't have anyone else on my team. So, yes. you know, and yeah, I guess he cares. But then he cares to a tiny, like the tiniest of tiniest extent. And then you, again, and it, cracks in Infinity War when like he comes on the ship and he stows away in that type of shit. Get yeah. it. Like, I get it. But at the end of the day, Peter almost just seems like a project to Tony more than a son figure. Because I'm, I'm with yeah. you. I would have loved a scene where he would have went to check on Peter at his house a couple times. Yes. I would, if people really want to say that Tony Stark is the new Uncle Ben, I would have loved a scene where he's literally teaching him how to be a hero. Like, cool sit-down moments. Like, them sitting on yes. top of the Empire State Building, having a fucking hot dog, and Peter impart, and, and Tony imparts this great word of wisdom about how he was a fuck-up and how he had to make mistakes in order to become the hero that he is today, and then Peter understands. There's no scenes like that. Like, Or none. even if it was, like, self-deprecating humor, like Peter B. Parker and Miles in Into the Spider-Verse, exactly. you know? Where exactly. it's like, you know, he's never actually... He's never actually consciously taking on the role of mentor but he is you know like in his heart yes but we you're right we never get that and i think that i mean honestly like yeah i'm not saying that he doesn't care about him at all but i think it falls more into the category of like basic human empathy and like guilt than it does like i have a real specific connection to this kid and we are specifically like we the two of us care about each other as opposed to like Tony's guilt of failing to protect right. humanity. I will you know? say this though. I will say this because even though this is all correct, even though this is all correct, <laughs> this is all 100% true. I think this was probably intentional. This is like me playing devil's advocate and like kind of like defending it a little bit. I yeah. think it's like truly intentional because that fucking hug in Avengers Endgame was so nice. And the way I see that scene, again, we talk about fans just fantasizing and shit. The way I see this is like Tony is finally coming around to being that father figure that we've wanted to see for him. Like he's finally let that shit down because he's like, yeah, kid, you fucking died. You died because I couldn't get my shit together. 
I'm not go I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. So here's a fucking hug. There's more hugs to come. I'm going to be stopping by at your house. I'm going to stop hitting on your Aunt May. I'm going to be a <laughs> I'm going to be a dad to you. And then what happens? Tony fucking dies, which is the tragic thing about that. It's like right when they finally started to have that open father-son relationship, Tony Stark sacrifices himself and then it then he dies and then Peter now is breaking down because he's like I finally got that. He's finally stopped the quipping and shit. Yeah. And now he's fucking dead. Again. Yeah. That's probably a fantasy. It, it may be no, true. No, but I mean that but you that know. tracks. And I mean like I feel the same way about Harley from Iron Man 3 because you know how much I love Iron Man 3. Yeah, I love Harley. And I feel like yeah. people, you know, people want to talk about the connection between Tony and Peter all the time and I'm like I mean, but Tony also had another kid that was like supposed to be his little protege that, that just fucking kid was dipped the off the face of the earth. Yeah, he was at and the then funeral. he's all of a sudden at the funeral again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I want to know, I want to see this proof of of this, <coughs> you know, paternal nature that Tony apparently has. But that's my point is that like, I think that a lot of the like intimate relationship details that the fandom has uh, opinions on are based mainly on like filling in the gaps that we didn't actually see in the mcu but the eternals i feel like the whole movie is about you believing that these people are a family absolutely and they're a better team than the avengers if you ask me like i mean (laughs) you can see how much each of them cares for each other and i liked that there was some interpersonal conflict throughout the film between some of the characters because that's how families are. I mean, especially families that have lived together for thousands of yeah. years. Yeah. Like yeah. they're gonna, they're gonna not always agree on things. And, and the way that they interact with each other is sometimes calculated, but raw. And I felt like, yeah, you know, they're the, the story is not my favorite no. actual story in the MCU, but no. I, I mean, I, I say this about all the time. I'm like, yeah, I, I prefer Thor, the dark world to a lot of MCU <laughs> movies yeah. because the character development in that movie is light years better yeah. than a lot of MCU movies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can forgive, I can forgive the fact that the dark elves are lame. I can forgive the fact that the stuff on earth was unnecessary because <laughs> the, the moments between Thor and Loki are just gold. Uh, and I feel best. like, yes, so good. Yes. And I feel like Eternals, it was, it has a way higher ratio than Thor, the dark world, because yes. there's literally like two hours of just getting to watch these characters interact and, and, you're not and be bored a family. Of it. And you're not bored of it. I wasn't it doesn't bored get at repetitive. all. Like, it doesn't get repetitive seeing these characters have, share a dinner together, finding yeah. each other. It doesn't get repetitive, you know, where they say, like, hey, let's go find this other Eternal in this other part of the world. You find them and, like, get to see what they're doing. Like, fucking Kingo is a fucking Bollywood oh my God, star. Kingo's the best. <laughs> King, and Kingo is the <laughs> best. Like, you show up and you're just like, I love this fucking guy. Like, I love, I love this guy. I love him so. And I'm so fucking pumped for Kamal Nanjiani to be in the MCU. And that's the other thing is so many of these actors are so it's like it's like Simu mm-hmm. Liu yeah. you know it's like Shang-Chi these actors are so stoked yes. to be in the MCU and yes. to be doing this yes. they're bringing the passion yeah and that's what we as a fandom want like that's what sucks to me is like when people are people when people don't I'm not saying that like you should support a movie just because you like an actor or whatever or, right, or vice course. versa yeah but I do think that it says something when we're in this big fandom culture and these these actors because there's a lot of big names in this movie but there's also a lot of small names in this movie yes. who are getting mm-hmm. a really huge opportunity here yes. to be part of something that they know is like a once in a lifetime thing and they are they they you can tell that yeah. they love it and they feel so honored and privileged. Um, Lauren Ridloff, who plays Makari, like I follow her oh on Instagram and she's yes. just, yes. she's amazing. She's awesome. 
she I got introduced like, to her during Walking Dead, and I was just kind of like, who is this? And then when yeah. I found out she was Macari, I was like, fuck yes. Fuck she, yes. like, shared something on her Instagram where, like, somebody, she was in a store, and somebody slipped her a note saying that, like, because he was too shy to say anything to her, but he, when she left, she read the note, um, and it was like, Eternals were one of the, my, my dad left when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. he left a big box of comic books, and it had a bunch of Eternals comics in there, and those comics for a long time I held on to them like I held on to the hope of my dad coming back and he never did but I ended up finding a family and comics that meant so much to me and like seeing you in that family now like means so much (laughs) to me and she was like oh my god and like it's just like so emotional and sweet and I just think that like the I do like obviously I'm not saying that like film criticism is bad I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a big in favor of film criticism but I do think that like there is something to be said for just appreciating the novelty of all of this, yeah. of, of fandom. And I, I, I've i said it before, I'll say it again. Some people are like, oh, like you just, you have a bias. I genuinely liked this movie. Probably yes. more, yeah. I know I enjoyed it more than you and Soups, like in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I genuinely thought that it was a, a great film and I think that people will love it. I am yeah. genuinely shocked yeah. by the amount of negative reception this movie has gotten from critics i truly can't believe it's, it it's the flat negative that is like truly baffling to me because even like me and soups we had we actually were just like driving around having a long conversation about this movie like we had a lengthy conversation about like what we liked what we didn't like in this movie and first off guys like soups isn't just some dude who's hyped about superheroes dude knows his like shit like he can, yeah, he, he, does. can he can definitely like critique a movie so yeah, uh, he, he and he. I think that's he's a good example of that, like appreciating the novelty and the fandom of something, while also being yeah. able to say it's imperfect. Exactly. But I love it, you know. And that's I think that he. A lot of people give him so much shit, but he's exactly just because he's, he's allowed positive. to be excited about something, you know. You know, and he's not afraid to show it. Like that's that's what we should all strive for. Exactly. But, but we were talking about the movie, and like we both agreed that the movie itself is as much as we liked it, and as much as like we wanted to like it going in you know it just didn't succeed at trying not to be big it it felt just too big for itself and that and mm-hmm. that and that happens with movies sometimes movies are way more ambitious than you know what ends up being executed and so yeah. and you, and you could just kind of feel that but what we both still love was the character interactions we both literally said like every single eternal you're going to walk away loving every single exactly. one exactly you know every single one gets their due uh every uh every intimate moment you feel it's just that when it all just kind of when you take all of that and then you just amount it to, oh yeah, let's just fight and CGI battles and you know and the CGI in part yeah. is questionable, which is, which is and I love this too because like I love when some of my favorite critics like agree with me like Jeremy Johns, like it's funny because you look at this movie and there are scenes that are just so beautifully shot right yeah like CGI looks fucking fantastic. And then the bad CGI just tends to pop out a little bit more because the good yeah. CGI is good. So when you see something like the fucking ship, I, I call it the triangle ship, that just, the cheese, the giant cheese that like flies across, you're like, whoa, that looks amazing. It looks, it's almost like something out of Dune. It looks something like straight out of Dune. But then you get a scene where they're fighting a deviant and you're just kind of like, where's the dune budget like (laughs) what happened uh so it so like we talked about that and so again the negative reception it's kind of like what did you hate that much to make it a negative like a movie that's like again i use this example a lot worse than iron man peeing in his suit 
What yeah. is what is worse than fucking uh Malekith the Dark Elf? What is worse than um uh fucking uh I'm sorry, the uh I was gonna say something from Captain Marvel, but Captain Marvel's not even that bad. because uh, <laughs> it's not even that bad. Uh it's just me. But um yeah, I mean, honestly, kind of, what like, is bad about it? You know, what is bad? What is genuinely bad versus I would say crow, but still. You know, crow is <laughs> I mean I could think I think that there are there are arguments to be made that like it could have been edited better. The story, like the script could have yeah. used some work. Yeah. I do think that like uh what you say about the scale, like I, I didn't mind the scale, but I do think that like it would have it would have benefited from a slightly smaller story just because mm-hmm. of the relationships of the characters. Like, I think that it didn't need to, to tackle everything that it tackled. And there yeah. is a lot of exposition, but at the a same lot. time, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time I was in the film, I, I was in the theater and I was just, I, I, I was very uh, captivated for like the, the entire film. It's captivating. I was just like, yeah, it's captivating. I, I was, I was invested. Um, but I do, you know, I, that that is the thing to me is like if you're gonna say okay yeah the, the film is the film is uh, a little bit slow there are points of yeah. it where I think this is unnecessary I just don't understand how that translates to some people as this is this is a catastrophically bad Marvel movie this is a yeah. failure yeah you know and one of, and the worst one yeah <laughs> and the worst one D- definitely like something certified rotten which basically equates to don't even bother you yeah. know like yeah. I just I truly I am. I am baffled. Uh, I'm baffled by the response. I, to, to speak briefly on what we were talking about earlier, like in regards to like the sex scene, I, I do worry um, that there is a lot of implicit bias going on here. I mean, I think if you look at some, like you mentioned one of your favorite critics, I noticed that some critics that I regularly notice, like um, Peter Travers, who regularly yeah. reviews movies for Rolling yeah, Stone, yeah. Mm-hmm. like he, he liked it. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of regular critics that I see um, that, actually did you know give give it what i would consider at the very least a fair score yeah um but i do think that there's there's a lot of implicit bias going on here i think that the way that this movie framed its heroes too is partially because chloe zhao is openly challenging what is acceptable you know like just like with nomadland how she made a a movie about a very raw uh middle-aged woman going through something very real you know that's not subject matter that a lot of people um, are open to even, you know, but I think that when you go into an indie movie like that, you have a different mindset and going into a film like this, <laughs> yeah, it, it made me question things like, like are people actually, I think, I think that there's, I think that there's a lot of stuff going on under the surface about like, for example, seeing a, a woman that is supposed to be a superhero have a sex scene, because I think yeah. that in our society, there still is. A lot of this just general perception that when a woman allows, uh, quote unquote, a man to have sex with her, um, that she's losing a part of herself and a part of her value. And I think seeing a a female character as a lead that is allowed to just be a person who has sex and does, you know, is just trying to get by, that that maybe takes away from the idea of what a superhero is supposed to be specifically for women. Because we've in the MCU, we have only seen this kind of thing used to illustrate growth for immature men. It's never even, it's the idea of having a woman that's able to, and it's not just the MCU, it's a, right. it's movies in general, like you were saying, and, and specifically action movies, because yeah. I do think that a lot of times women are framed as like a prize to be won, like a, like an objectified thing or, you know, 
if you're not that, then you're being punished for your actions. Right. You're being, you know, you, you did so you had sex and, and now now the bad guy is is actually the person that you trusted and you you know, you idiot. Yeah. It's very it's very much I feel like it's still used to to put women in in little boxes, neat little boxes. You can be a mother, you can be sexy, you can be a hero, but you, you could never be all of the above. That's too complicated for yeah. audiences, you yeah. know? Yeah, and it goes exactly what we were talking about where when it comes to scenes like that, they're always through the lens of a man. And it's always exactly. like, oh, the man won. Like, the man scored. I, I hate that fucking term, scored. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I just really hate that. I don't know why that even popped into my mind. Yeah, the man scored. But it's like, it's exactly what you said. Like, these people are people. And I know this is going to sound like a, like a dumb phrase. People are people. <laughs> and a man is a man and a woman is a woman and they're both just trying to get by with what they have they both have needs they both have these things let them both do it and let's not give one up on the other let's not have yeah. one say he scored and the other one get devalued like i don't even know where that even fucking come from but we're yeah. probably gonna have to like unpack a whole conversation <laughs> over the course of like hundreds is, of years to get that of misogyny yeah. and fucking uh you know feminist theory or however you want to call it yeah but uh in terms of like, you know, I, I really want to bring this up as well is like when you said that, um, you know, when it comes to this implicit bias between like men and women, like I really do think that what's affecting the score is th let's think about the first trailer that came out. Because remember, I said Eternals is my was my most highly anticipated Marvel film, even before Spider-Man No Way Home, even before Shang-Chi. I said that Eternals was my most anticipated one. Yeah. And I was way and that was off of the first teaser of the of the movie and when you see that first teaser of the movie i find that the t first teaser of a movie tells you exactly what the movie is trying to be from the vision of the, that creator just off top like you yeah. see you, we saw that with the first suicide squad movie you remember that first trailer and it was nothing like what the movie c came out to be yeah. same thing with uh, eternals right and i'm not saying like the first teaser in the movie is completely different but when you look at that first teaser, the reason that got, the thing that got me really excited was because it felt like a Chloe Zhao directed superhero film about yes. these big characters. It felt very intimate. It felt very Nomadland like just yes. through the lens of a Marvel movie. If you go back and watch my video, I said that this already feels different than any other Marvel film that comes before. And it still is for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. But then when you look at the second trailer and you look at the TV spots and you look at it's very macho man show them the superpowers heavy thing yeah. because it feels like they remembered oh wait this is a marvel movie yeah. let's end our trailers with the shot of icarus about to punch the screen and people flying and fucking kingo going pew pew with his fingers and it's like where did if you if they imagine they would have just kept that same energy throughout the entire marketing process so yeah. people know what they're getting into so by the time they see the movie it's not really a shock because I wasn't really shocked by it when I saw the movie because I was holding on to that first trailer. That's why I saw the movie in the first place. Yeah. But then you look at what other people are going to see. They're not going to remember that teaser. They're going to remember the second trailer, the final yeah. trailer, the TV spots, uh, what they see on billboards is like strong people punching things and da da da. And I actually, would... one of my one of my really best friends who got me into comics in the first place, he texted me the day after the official trailer dropped, and he said. Something about that. I was really excited by the teaser, but this trailer, something about it feels off to me. Yeah. And he, he was he was spot on because what you're saying is 100 percent accurate. You know, and so I wouldn't and I would tell you this, too. I wouldn't be surprised if people didn't know that Cersei was kind of the main lead in the movie. 
I didn't. I wouldn't be. I, you know? I didn't count on that. Like you know? they, with I had the to figure that out through interviews. Stuff, <laughs> yeah, with the premieres and stuff, they clearly were like Gemma Chan, Gemma Chan, Gemma Chan. But before that point, I was like, who? So who? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's like you have all these characters and you don't know what the focal point is going to be. And a lot of people will think, uh, you know, it'd be uh, Dane Whitman, Kit Harrington's yeah, character, because yeah. he's the human of all these people. Mm-hmm. You know, so you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be, I'm not going to say you wouldn't be wrong or right because then we're getting into spoiler talk. Yeah. But honestly, like in your assumption, you wouldn't be wrong to think that he would be the uh, human eye that we view these characters through. But you'll see in every review, you'll see in every like interview that Gemma Chan Cersei is the lead character of this movie. Like it's mainly seen through her eyes. And I believe she has the most screen time in this movie. But the trailers don't reflect that at all. And then the question rises why not like yeah well, you have you know, a whole cast of diverse actors and everything but this is this is technically technically another female-led yeah. su- superhero film and not only yeah. that an asian-led superhero film female-led exactly superhero film. so directed by an asian woman you know what I'm only, saying. <laughs> only i think the i think it's only the third move third marvel movie directed by a woman and i think the first woman of color mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but you know what's interesting you were talking about nomadland and i i really do think that there is there's so many similarities in the way the story is told between eternals and nomadland and i think yep. that the reason why it doesn't it works for nomadland and it doesn't work as well in eternals is because eternals is supposed to be one small story in a larger yes. whole and mm-hmm. it needs to it needs to facilitate what came before and set up what's going to come after yeah and honestly i think if you took the deviance out of this story entirely yeah yeah um that it would be closer to probably what chloe Zhao actually wanted which was a story about this family living and just trying to get through their their own issues together um, yeah. And I think that this this whole the whole conflict of the movie and the stakes of the movie are much bigger, I think, than than what we've seen in the MCU so far. And it really I do think that it really opens up the MCU in a way yeah. that people are not. Oh, yeah. It's going to make every it's going to make everything that we've seen so far feel smaller. I it think, does what it it's is, supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that trying to balance that, trying to balance this, it's going to break open the MCU mm-hmm. and. It's a story. It's an intimate story about about a dysfunctional family. Yeah. Um. Those those two ideas were kind of at odds. I feel like in the yeah. movie, and I think that there's there's a story in there that would have been more successful if it was allowed to be just a just a standalone beautiful story about uh, this family I'm of so Eternals. I'm so glad you're saying that because I've said this to you. I've said this so many times. I would have loved for the Eternals to have been picked up, not in the MCU, sat over here and split into two movies yeah i would the story is big enough the it's it's intimate enough it it would definitely i'm not comparing it to lord of the rings i've already done that to doom which i still will compare it to (laughs) but i think eternals deserves kind of like a two movie epic about this family because again there's 10 eternals like imagine like a film where you you know find the first three or four or whatever and in the next film you find the next four to five yeah. Eternals and you know you can or like ending on a cliffhanger like ending on a big piece of information that yeah. Yeah. and it's like whoa what does that mean like exactly. yeah it wouldn't have resolved the conflict but it would have yeah I do and I, I I do think that there was probably a lot of studio pressure to to for yeah. this to be both 
Yeah. For this to be both Chloe Zhao, like Chloe Zhao, who made Nomadland and, and has mm-hmm. that kind of vibes and also give us a blockbuster that we yeah. can, you know, and I, you know, I, I'd be interested to see how the conversation shifts once people are able to start seeing it mm-hmm. um, and getting more feedback on stuff like that. Because I do think that right now the conversation is very much just, oh, it was divisive. Some people liked yeah. it. A lot of people didn't. So uh, it's probably just trash. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> Two it's things. not trash. It's not trash, but two things before we go, because guys, I'm I'm actually at work right now, and <laughs> we're we're dedicated. Uh, but two things before I go, like one, I'm curious to see what this does because we already know when it what this does in terms of more representation in Hollywood because we already know that it's always seems to be hanging by a thread, right? Like we'll yeah. have a big success like Black Panther and then we'll have like Oscar so white and then we'll have a big, and now we have a big success like Shang-Chi and we're starting to feel like, oh yeah, like this proves it. It feels like we always have, this proves that, you know, people of color can headline films and make a shit ton of money. And then it takes one excuse for Hollywood yeah. to be like, well, that didn't work. So very curious to see again, whether you like the movie or not, I really still think that we should all go see it to figure it out for yourself so that it makes its money and so that way we can still maintain that these things do can and will make money because yeah. if an entirely white cast can make a shitty movie and that shit still makes money looking at you transformers then <laughs> then we can then this can still make money and you know it can people can find out that it's okay or good or bad or whatever exactly uh, and there's still a lot of spectacle and a lot of fun like even if even if you walk out of it and you think oh the critics were right it was bad which again i don't think most people will feel that way yeah um but there's still you will still have so much to enjoy in this film. Like I don't yes. know why you would skip it. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a skippable movie like at all. And then uh, the second thing I forgot the second thing that I was gonna say. Maybe I'll just bring it up in a later date. But uh, just go. <laughs> well, see. You were talking about diversity and how well, Hollywood. Were, uh... Yeah, they were two unrelated. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> unrelated thing. It was diversity, and then there was another thing um, about. Mm, Oh, oh, yes. Okay. So, and then I'm also curious to see if the MCU will break its formula because what I've been waiting for with the MCU, and I think this will make it, I think this will make it super fresh for a lot of audiences is having a bunch of different types of, uh, movie styles. You know how, when the, uh, was it the new mutants was, was first teased, it was kind of marketed as like the first horror movie yeah. like the first horror x-men and it felt like a horror i don't know i haven't seen uh new mutants at all so i don't know if it keeps that but it just felt like a horror like i want to see different genres and not just different genres that still play with the mcu formula where everybody's quipping and stuff like that but with chloe Zhao, she made this more intimate kind of like indie style film but it still was dragged down by the mcu formula of Oh, big punch him up CGI fights like, uh, you know, macho macho character. But I would like to see indie MCU films. I would like to see heavy sci-fi MCU films. Yeah. You know, horror MCU films. Deadpool is going to be the first rated R MCU films and like really play around with the different styles. Similar to like kind of like what the Netflix shows try to accomplish yeah. with a darker corner. And so like it existed in this at the time it existed in the same place as the Avengers in the same city. But obviously the Avengers was very more colorful and for kids and for families and things like that. But then you had yeah. fucking uh, Luke Cage punching out people's heads off and shit. And then like, you know, the sex of Jessica Jones and, you know, just the brutal fights and dark and Daredevil. And I'm not just saying it needs to go from dark to light, but just 
diversify the style of filmmaking yeah. throughout the MCU. I think that like, would make it really cool. Imagine if this had been allowed to be like a Kusama-esque, like Seven Samurai type thing, yes. Eternals. Like, yes. oh my God, that would have been so amazing. And I do feel like there was little pieces of like stylistic choices that are reflective of genres like that yeah, yeah. in this movie. Um and I, yeah, I would, I, I'm 100% with you. Like, I would love to see, and that's one of the reasons why I'm glad that the MCU is getting bigger, yes. uh, because I think there's more room for there to be more discrepancy, more right. different stylized. You know, if you're in the far cor- corner of the galaxy, of course things are going to be a little different over exactly. there. Exactly. I think Eternals is the first step towards that for sure. And you could, I, yeah. I argue that Black Panther was the very first step, but then Eternals yeah. like really took that first step in like getting someone like Chloe Zhao and Chloe and Zhao Shang-Chi. putting her snap on it. Like, and Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi as well. Shang-Chi really Shang-Chi felt like, as well. like yes. classic yes. Chinese cinema. Like exactly. it was exactly. very, very stylized in a really exactly. cool way. But again, um, both of those still suffer from Black Panther, Shang-Chi, and Eternal still suffer from, and I will even throw in WandaVision because it also was doing something completely different yep. until that yep. last 100%. 30 minutes. So I would love for just like something that's com- Star Wars Visions, but in the yes. MCU. Star Wars Visions, because yes. you know how the first episode was really like like seven samurai kind oh, of like first yeah. hour like and then the next episode is very family friendly looking the next one looked very studio ghibli i would like mm-hmm. that in the mcu where everything is canon but everything is different i'm not saying different animation styles guys like you know <laughs> that won't work what i'm saying is different genres different like again styles of filmmaking within the same universe because then imagine yeah. like a fucking imagine like if somebody with the code of fucking blade interacting with tony stark like and again well, like, even dead, did you watch cool. uh modok yes because I didn't finish it, but like I didn't finish it either. <laughs> I, I I enjoy I enjoyed it, and I think that mm-hmm. there is room for stuff like like the silly you know sitcommy type right. stuff happening in the MCU. And I, if I if I could make one final argument um, about the Eternals, it would be this. I would say that first of all, I do think that you were talking about the ex- extremity of the reviews of the negativity yeah. in the reviews, and I think that a lot of that is due to unconscious bias. And like you were saying, reactionary stuff, like we see Shang-Chi do well. I think a lot of people are seeing that the future of the MCU, it looks very different um, than the pretty much exclusively white male. And also even just not even, yeah, not even (laughs) bringing that into it, but just the more traditional action movie take on on the genre, you know? So I think that people are seeing that they're shifting away from that in a lot of different ways. And I think that at the first sign of trouble, a lot of people will jump. A lot of people will yeah. jump for the neck and say, oh, this movie wasn't perfect. I'm going to take this excuse now to rip it to shreds. Yeah. Um, and I think that that happens a lot with marginalized creators, with mm-hmm. women and yeah. creators of color and someone like Chloe Zhao, who is both a woman and a woman of color. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, I think that a lot of times you, you smell a little bit of blood in the water and the sharks just attack. And I, yeah. I think that 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 would that would make sense for me for why the reviews look the way that they are, because, mm-hmm. again, I don't think that this is a perfect film, but I get criticized on my page all the time for talking about how most MCU films are imperfect, in my opinion. Right. And I I do think that this this movie honestly might even be in my top 10 of MCU movies, um, mm. which I know I said to, I said before, I was like, on one of my pages, I was like, oh, I think it might be, it's definitely in the top half, definitely in the top 15. And someone was like, right. top 15, that's not very good. 
was like, there's there's <laughs> twenty six very great MCU movies right now. Times. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, still very good. If you think that ten of eleven of them are bad, I I don't think anybody out there, well, most people, most MCU right. fans, I don't think would tell you that they think that there are ten right. very bad MCU movies. I think right. that there's a handful of not great ones. Um, but I don't think that Eternals falls into the category of one of the worst MCU movies at all. I think it's very it has a lot of strengths and I I personally really enjoy character driven story and I, I yeah. really loved it for that reason. So yeah. I would suggest you go see it, um, see support it. it, go in with an open mind. If you don't if you end up coming out of it and say, Wow, uh what a waste of my money, I'm so sorry. That Geeks of the Week led you astray. <laughs> um, but on the bright side, uh, you never have a guarantee with movies. And I, I do think that there's there's a lot to love here. So Absolutely. And I agree with everything that she said. <laughs> anyway, I love when guys, that happens. It's not always, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't, you know, doesn't always. Like, we disagreed a couple times here. Like, yeah. Like, really? And we, Thor the Dark got... World? Really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but, but I think anyway, that we guys, should um, do a, spo- a spoiler episode for the Patreon on oh, that's uh, Friday happening. after it releases. That is happening. That because yeah. like I've been trying not to talk spoilers, and I really want I to know. talk spoilers because I got theories and I got thoughts about. Yeah. And then we can get really in depth on that sex scene, guys. We can we can, we can talk about we <laughs> what talk everybody about wants everything. to hear about. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. That's what y'all want to hear about. People are just like get to the sex. Like even though we <laughs> talked about it for like twenty minutes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but we'll we'll definitely get that going. So if you're not on Patreon, make sure you hit us up on patreon we might even do a live show like we did before the last one was like yeah. really fun uh had some really good questions some a lot of great people uh but yeah just join the patreon if you guys want to be a part of that and just follow yeah. us everywhere everywhere yeah Instagram, follow TikTok. us we love you guys i love you guys um they're pinging me i'm literally hearing like i don't know if you can hear that but it's just literally just going like bing 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 like in my you're, head you're in demand you're very in demand i don't even know if it's for me it's just i need to turn <laughs> that off okay i don't say wait Okay, no, that's not for me yet. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> nobody listens to my podcast at work anyway. So that's whatever. <laughs> See, that's a toxic work environment. Boss is like, no, that's an so Avengers work think. environment. No, that's yep, it's an Avengers <laughs> work environment. We're cool with each other. Yeah. But are we really? <laughs> like you know, nobody's listening to Scott Lang's podcast. You know what I mean? Like Tony, like <laughs> I would, I would. I oh we yeah we would for sure. I totally would. But you, yeah. but you and I fall more into the Scott Lane category, I think, than, than a lot of other That's Avengers. True. Scott would be like, oh, are you listening Scott to Scott would support the other Avengers stuff, but he they would. wouldn't support his. He would, exactly. <laughs> They'll just look at him, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you did that one mission. Yeah, I you guess fought. that technically you, makes you an Avenger. You beat Sam? Well, whoop de fucking do, Scott. <laughs> yeah. You beat Sam. He gets his ass kicked by everyone. Anyway, we can make a whole <laughs> skit about that. Anyway, guys, that is it for Geeks of the Week. Make sure you guys catch us next time. And uh, we will, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>